2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City.
0: Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Your Sunday night with Speed City, and we got a lot of things to talk about tonight. This is John Massingale. I'm sitting in the studio, and I got my boys, Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser, calling in on Zoom. And if you're watching on social media, we appreciate it. And, yeah, we got a great show tonight. We got a bunch of guests, and we got Brian Till. He's a renowned broadcaster. You probably heard his name. And he's coming on here in just a few minutes. And then we got the corner marshal supervisor out at CODA. Dave Foreman coming on. Then we got the boys from Super Lap Battle. They're going to do a little sponsor of, of Speed City and tell us about the Super Lap Battle coming back to Coda. That's a cool deal. But how are you boys, Jonathan and Les? Y'all doing good?
4: A little bit jaded. Had a bit busy weekend doing motorsport from 18,000 miles away, but had a lovely time.
5: <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, I heard good stuff. Uh, I got out and did a mountain bike run yesterday and uh fell into a cactus i survived and uh today i worked in the garage all good that sounds like a good texas story i fell into a cactus good weekend (laughs) jonathan you were on
0: the microphones for the toyota racing series for i don't know how many hours this weekend right
4: yeah, we uh, we were live streaming. Um, usually I'd be down there, of course, but because of COVID, um, no international drivers and therefore no international commentators, unfortunately. So it was an all New Zealand affair, but we live streamed the whole event. So that's all the categories and that's muscle cars and uh, tin tops and V8s and Utes, as they call them, truck racing. Ah, I love um, the Utes. And, and of course, yeah, yeah. And it's headlined by the Toyota Racing Series, which, of course, um, is the Junior Series or Junior Formula Series, uh, where the likes of Lando Norris, Lance Stroll, uh, Liam Lawson more recently um, have all sort of cut their teeth and made their name. And um, it's a really great series, and I've been part of it for the last decade. I love it. Um, but like I said, last uh, this weekend, were the New Zealand Grand Prix was an all-Kiwi um, new, uh, new Zealand affair.
0: Yeah, and it was streaming on, what, motorsport.tv, I think is what it was. Yep. yep. Yeah,
4: if you want to see the highlights uh, and catch up with some of the action, you can go to motorsport.tv, uh, which is great that they're taking it. And it's, um, well, it hasn't finished. We've got races next weekend and the weekend after. So it's, a three, it's three races each weekend, nine races in all. And although the international V8 drivers like Van Gisbergen and Van der Drift won't be taking part in the whole series, they just wanted to do the Grand Prix to make it a bigger occasion. Um, but the youngsters and the next kids coming up, um, you know, will be taking part in that. People like Ronan Murphy, who uh took part in um F4 here in the states uh this year,
0: yeah. And you know what, Jonathan? We were talking about this earlier is that it's pretty cool that you it's finally happened. You, you're calling live motorsports all over the world from your bedroom,
4: yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we we, we did the I, the E-Series um, with Trans Am, and, you know, I've done Zoom uh, commentaries before, or at least, um, you know, internet uh, commentaries before. But this was the first time that I'd actually done a live race to live TV. It was shown live in Australia and New Zealand, and, of course, worldwide on TV And also, they put it out on the PA, which really kind of freaked me out. So... <laughs> I could hear myself going to the crowd, which was just weird.
5: <laughs> I don't know. With all that, uh, John, don't you think his neighbors are a little curious? Uh,
4: <laughs> you know, it's funny when I put the mic down last night at about midnight, twelve thirty, because it was the Grand Prix was the with the finish. And there was, it was a round was of really applause close. in your
0: apartment complex. <laughs> well, yeah,
4: I don't know about a round of applause, oh, but no! I'm sure they were oh, wondering. Yeah, they <laughs> I'm sure they were wondering what the hell was going on up here.
0: (laughs) And if Uh, I'd have told
4: them what was going on, they wouldn't have believed me.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. I never thought about that. (laughs) Yeah, because you can be quite vociferous on the microphone.
4: I like the word.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm excited because we're going to talk all about the Rolex, and we watched, everybody got to watch the Rolex, the new way they did it, where they had the 100-minute qualifying at the Roar uh, for the Daytona 24 Hours. And, yeah, I think. yeah, it was good, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, I like it because, um, you know, you've got to be – I mean, endurance racing is uh, – it, it's a very specialist form of motor racing, and you're either into it or you're not into it. It's a good spectacle, especially in a 24-hour race where things go wrong and you're racing against the clock. Uh, but qualifying can be pretty dull, to be fair. Uh, and so they've spiced it up a bit and created a race, uh, a 100-mile race – Uh, out of what's called the raw before the 24 and usually the raw was held early january as a shakedown um more or less um and so really was a a non-event whereas this very much was an event because they were racing and racing hard and it was really just to decide the poll which seems a a lot of a lot of work to decide a poll but they put it uh, the week before um, the actual 24-hour race. So literally tonight they'll they'll put the cars away and they'll be in Daytona for the rest of the week getting getting ready, which is kind of normal anyway. But I think it's a much smarter way uh, of allocating time rather than creating a situation where you're in Daytona potentially for three weeks getting ready.
0: Yeah.
4: Uh, and with COVID, I think very smart.
0: Well, you know, there's a lot to discuss about that because some of the teams have talked about the pros and the cons of doing – the roar the week before instead of two weeks before so hey but guys let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we'll continue the discussion about the rolex 24 because we have our guest brian till going to join us you're listening to speed city we're live in austin texas back after a quick break
3: Battle USA is back at Circuit of the Americas March 6th and 7th. It's the Ultimate Time Attack Challenge, where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully tuned track built cars, featuring the life Touring Cup, Lone Star Trap Ride Alongs, Food Trucks, a just Vibes Car Show, and more. Plus, the Life Motorsports Nissan GTR is back to defend its time of 207 181. It's a whole weekend of family fun. Tickets are $10 online, $20 at the box office. Find out more at SuperLapBattleUSA.com.
1: At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas Ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town, in your favorite store, or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company.
3: talk 1370 the right choice
5: hi this is mario andretti and this is speed city welcome
3: back to the fastest hour in radio speed city guys i
0: I don't think we were appropriately excited that first segment because racing has started again guys jonathan was Calling the Toyota Racing Series. We got the roar going on. We got the Rolex 24 in a week. I think that we need to pump it up just a little bit, and I think probably can help us with that as our first guest. I'm really excited to have him, big fan of this, Brian Till. Brian, welcome to Speed City. Thank you. I'm uh, Sorry about that. I'm uh... <laughs>
1: Were you muted? I had
0: you on mute. <laughs> I, I had
7: you on mute. I'm I'm looking for my cayenne pepper in the pantry, and I just
0: found it. So I was away from my phone, and you were muted. See, I told you he was going to spice it up for us. He's got the cayenne. pepper. <laughs> oh, <look stuff>. he, <laughs> he not I only mean... drives a
4: cayenne, he eats it too.
7: <laughs> yeah, we absolutely. I'm in the middle of making a little spicy tomato sauce because we're we're it's late here. It's eight fifteen. So I'm I'm. East Coast time, and my kids run around and do all kinds of things. And one of my kids had a baseball meeting, and we eat dinner late anyway, so we're having a late dinner. I'm cooking a little spicy, smoky tomato
5: sauce. I love it. As a a good old Texas guy, I was I was hoping you were like fixing some enchiladas or something. (laughs) Well, no, we had tacos last night,
7: but I mean, okay, there you go. Here's the deal: so it it it's got smoked tomatoes, it's got liquid smoke in it, it's got cayenne, it's got a little. uh, (laughs) A little fiesta steak seasoning in it. So it's not, you know, the Italians probably don't like me very much for what I do to spaghetti sauce, but it's probably, it's more of a,
5: yeah, Texas kind of spaghetti sauce. You sound quite the culinary expert. (laughs) Yeah. Tex-Italian. I've heard of it. I love to cook, you know, (laughs) I do.
7: And obviously for my waistline, I love to eat. So... (laughs)
5: Hey, never, I
4: trust
5: if you're going to do one, show. you get the other one, you know? So That's right. Never Brian, trust any
4: shift. Brian, we were keen yeah. to get you on for lots of reasons. Um, we've got um, both of us have got F4 and F3 coming up uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, we know you're an aficionado, not only in cooking, but uh, in a little bit of sports car racing. And of course, that's coming up next weekend, and it was this weekend. And so we want to talk a little bit about that. Um, and whatever you want to talk about racing in COVID, um, you know, life, life, life in the fast lane, whatever.
7: So we're not on television. So I, and I'm cooking while we're having this conversation, I can drink wine while we do this, right? (laughs) Absolutely.
3: You could, could. we wouldn't tell anyone.
7: We encourage it actually. (laughs) Oh, well, that's exactly, yeah. All right. So no one needs to know, but that's what's happening. So there you
5: go. (laughs) <laughs> well, wait a minute. Whose yeah, wine had, are you drinking? We've had Pruitt oh,
4: on a few times, and he likes to drink his wine when he's on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, is this
5: there you
4: Scott go.
7: Scott's got some good wine. I, I don't want to leave Kevin Buckler out of the wine conversation either, because oh, yeah. his feelings um, yeah, would be no, hurt, yeah, but, yeah, we've had
4: him on. He likes his wine. <laughs>
7: well, and you got yeah. AJ Foyt too. You know, you, you got a selection yeah. there. I've not had any of AJ's wine. I've had Andretti's, I've had Pruitt's, I've had Kevin's, but I've not had any Voigt wine.
0: I think Kevin's is my favorite bottle shape and design with those tachometers and shifters and all that oh, stuff. It, yeah,
7: his, his racer series or whatever it is Yeah, that he yeah. Calls
0: it. I've got a bottle of that at the house right now. Well, hey, hey, Brian, he, I gotta he, ask you, man. Was it about
7: food and wine, or was it about
0: racing? <laughs> I know we gotta we gotta shift gears and talk <laughs> some racing, man. We, well, how about the how about the topic of the Rolex and the roar, the schedule with COVID and everything? Have you talked to drivers and teams about the you know the the fact that it's now one week apart and how that's affecting teams? Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, I think when it
7: the schedule first came out, there there were a lot of people who were against it. You know, and they were like, no, 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 no. And I think as Time has gone on, and after we watched a really good race today, although, I mean, I I guess that's the other thing that was cool about the race today. The weather changed completely, just like it can over 24 hours in Daytona. But anyway, um, I think when you look at it, and you look at the new point structure and all of that, the race made sense. And in reality, for some of these teams who haven't had a chance to race together before, coming to the roar and just testing – maybe isn't really what they need. This little dress rehearsal with kind of that short 100-minute race really has allowed some of these teams who've not been together under race conditions a little mini race test before then. I think that's actually kind of good. And then, obviously, if you crash your car, well, then you're going to complain that there's not enough time to fix it before the 24. Luckily, I don't think anybody did that in a big enough way that it's going to impact anything, but... um you know, when you look at it, you guys can remember there were years when it was like the second, third and fourth of January. And let's face it, there were still some crew members and stuff that had headaches when they got down there for the roar <laughs> that early in the month. And then you had a lot of time to get things ready, maybe even go back to your shop, if even if it was quite the haul. And then it got pushed an, a week later one year. And now all of a sudden there wasn't much time. You know, maybe just a couple of weekends and so when you really looked at the back and forth, you didn't have time to do anything. And this way, I think even in a non-COVID time, when you look at it, this way may not be a bad thing. From a travel standpoint, you've got 10 or 11 days worth of hotels instead of, you know, two flights, a flight there and a flight back to wherever you were, and then another set of flights to get you back down for the race and stuff. So it may actually end up being... A cost-effective way as well and you, you know even post-covid um that same type of schedule may may continue and i i actually like the idea of racing for the poll although the complaining after the race about bop and people not showing their hand and stuff i don't you know i mean we are, we have that every year that you go down there but um i would think that and, and the officials think it's why they came up with it they think it's a better way to keep people from trying to not show their hand. But, again, with all the data that they have these days, it's kind of difficult to hide stuff because the data that the technical staff looks at, you know, they watch telemetry real time from some of the teams sitting on the pit box down the IMSA pit box down the pit lane. So they know what's going on, and they can see – and they're smart. You know, they can see where you can hide things and if you are
4: hiding things. So I don't know. You know, Brian, that was something I wanted to ask you about because uh, Pippo Durani, who's a good friend of the show, um, and and uh, Felipe Nasa were both quite, you know, quite strong about um, yeah. the other guys not showing their hand, and they seemed a little bit miffed, a little bit pissed off that uh, nobody was, and, and I get it, but I mean, you know, <laughs> how does it work? I mean, how will they decide a BOP now off what we've seen? Mm. Well,
7: you know, I mean, I... I don't know that there would that I'm not sure per the rules. I have to, I've got like four or five rule books in my head right now, so they get confused. I'm not sure that they can make a BOP change now before the rate. Um yeah. I'd ha- I'd have to go back and review it and see how far out they can make one. Um so I don't know that it can be done. Now in years past, you know, to the point of when the Aurora was earlier, people Most definitely, you know, would try to hold back and it got harder and harder to do as technology got better and better and the officials had more and more to look at. Um, But with weeks, you know, if you did it the first weekend in January and the race was the last weekend in January, the officials had plenty of time to make a BOP adjustment. It was well within the rules and it could be done and it was done a lot. I just look at it now and I go, I'm not sure that, again, with the qualifying race. And remember, it wasn't just a race to determine the poll. The points involved. Yeah. Ten. It's basically 10% of a, of a race win. So it was 35 for the poll, 350 for a race win now. And those points matter. You know, they're going to matter all year long. These qualifying sessions that they do, the way they're going to do qualifying now, um, they're going to matter all year long. So – saying that it's not important to go out and get those points, what was the points differential at the end of the year last year in DPI? It was not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot, yeah. Sort of a Good point. Yeah. So Good point. I, I really can't see anybody holding back. also think back to two years ago when um, the Lamborghinis and GTD really held back at the roar and when they showed up, for their 24 and it was discovered what they had done. They got hammered. Yeah. Hammered. Yeah, that was a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, And so I I just think the price to be paid for that isn't worth it, you know? But, you know, I, I could well be wrong, racers are racers and you're always gonna try to extract everything you can out of the car and out of the rules, you know? I had somebody ask me, last year in another series we were talking about rules and they said so you want us to follow the black and white then is is what you're saying and i said, that's,
0: I said like, what would yeah. roger Pinsky do yeah. and, and he,
7: he goes what do you mean and i said do you really think that roger Pinsky doesn't read in the gray between the line or he doesn't hire people to do that I said yeah i expect you to follow the rules and i expect you to look for the gray areas that's what race yeah. racers do that's what engineers yeah. do you try to exploit every advantage that you can. But when you get caught, or when somebody says, that's as far as you can go, your gray is now black, or your gray is yeah. now white, you know, and you've gone too far in one direction or another, you have to stop. But yeah, you should always try to exploit. That's what you do. You know? That's racing. I mean, and there is a, it's racing. I and mean, there's a line in every rule book, every rule book. And again, I've been reading a bunch of them because the new ones are out. I think every rule book I've read, there is a line that says, what is not explicitly permitted in this guide is not allowed. So it has to be expressly permitted. But your opinion and my opinion on what expressly permitted is may be different.
0: Hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, hey, Brian, I want to ask you about I want to ask you about today's racing because it's a cavalcade of stars, as they say out there. And yeah. I was I was watching. You know, I want to see Kevin Magnuson, Jimmy Johnson, everybody, and and Magnuson came out looking great right after the, uh, the, the stop. And, and what do you think of today? Anything, anything jump out at you?
7: Yeah, I did actually. Um, first of all, Kevin Magnuson is the real deal. Like we didn't know that yeah. before, but I mean, he hadn't had much time in the car at all. And you, if you watch the broadcast, if you watch the broadcast from an NBC standpoint, um, you were listening to Dave Burns and Calvin Fish. I didn't listen to an IMSA radio broadcast, so I don't know what John Heindorf was having to say, but, um, you know, Calvin was pointing out that he Magnuson was supposed to be over here quite a while ago, yeah. several weeks ago, to, to do some testing and to do some time in the sim and get acquainted with the car. But he had some travel issues, and then his wife went into labor early and delivered their child early. So he didn't get here until just last week. <laughs> and I think he got his seat fitted down in Sebring and then, I mean, effectively, he's had very little time in the car it didn't surprise me at all to see him do well in the conditions that he was in either. You know, I mean, as someone who spent a lot of his career, I would imagine driving in less than ideal weather conditions, you know, he adapted to that very quickly. And I think to some extent, I mean, a DPI is, I mean, it's a rocket ship and it is a very sophisticated car, sophisticated aerodynamics, Powertrain and all that other kind of stuff, but compared to a Formula One car and the speeds at which they operate, especially in braking, um, the DPI has to be, a, I would imagine, a little relaxed for him.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like
7: yeah. <laughs> back in the night, back in the '90s when I was in the early '90s when I was um, in IndyCar, and and I, I watched a lot of the fast guys go by me a lot. Um, you know, always <laughs> you know people. People would talk about. I've got this great picture of me and Mario from um, Loudon, New Hampshire. It was on the first test day that IndyCar ever ran there. It was a sanctioned test day by the by CART. And Mario's low, and I'm high, and you know s- some sports reporter from the Loudon paper who ha- knew nothing about IndyCar racing, obviously. Um, took this picture and I was on the front page of the sports section and it said, Brian Hill leads Mario Andretti through three and four at Loudon, And I was like, thank God you can't see speed differential in a still photo. <laughs> Cause I'm sure Mario was like 15 miles an hour faster. I just happened to be in front there of the picture. But anyway, um, but you cut it out. It yeah, right. you,
0: you've got, <laughs> yeah. You've got to keep it permanently mounted somewhere.
7: Sure. It's on my freaking wall. I mean, <laughs> yeah, of through, but anyway, um, I it.
0: so but
7: everybody would talk about the European drivers that came to IndyCar and how good they were on short ovals and how surprised everybody was. And I would always said, why is that surprising to you? You know, when you look at <laughs> European racetracks that are fast and flowing, they, a lot of high speed corners. And that's what a short oval is. I mean, it's high speed corners. To me, it was not surprising at all. And it wasn't surprising at all how they adapted to an IndyCar on a road course because – the brake package that was on an Indy car at the time was nowhere near what yeah. the brake package was on a Formula One car. So the braking zone was considerably longer in an Indy car. You had time to think and plan. And, you know, you didn't go nearly as deep as you would have at the same speed into the same apex speed type corner as you would in a Formula One car. So it had to be a little more relaxing. And that's what Kevin has to be sensing, I would think. In the DPI, the brake zones are a little bit longer. You're not arriving at, at, at the same t- kind of top speed. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the same amount of aero to work with. But the car, and don't get me wrong here, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy to drive because any car to drive at the limit, you still have to dance and play with the devil and all that kind of stuff. But it, I'm sure, it's just a slightly slower pace for him in that car. Yeah, it it's got to be like the Formula one car.
0: Like the rest of us, you know, get going from riding on the track to riding on the street. He's just kind of got one hand uh, on the on the windowsill, you know, driving an LMP car after an F1 car, but yeah, Hey Brian, he
4: wasted I, no time in wanting to lead something. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah, true. No, he they, they, wasn't used to well, leading.
3: <laughs> hey Brian, like, oh my god, I'm close to the front.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I want to ask you about the uh F4 F3 series that you're involved in here. And, you know, I said I mean Jonathan too, but uh, what's your role there?
7: I am I am a steward. Last year, I was chairman of the stewards, and all that meant was that I got to sit and talk to drivers. We always do it in a panel, but, you know, I would be the one that would lead the panel because I was the chairman of the steward. The other two stewards that I work with the vast majority of the time, Wes Cunningham and John Walsh, are much better stewards than I and much better educated in the rules. Remember, I'm just a stupid ex race car driver who became a broadcaster who then became an official so um they were much more educated in that and um you know and they're both race car drivers, you know they're both s c c a uh drivers who have raced at high level of national competition and all that, so they're good guys and they know what they're talking about but um, as that steward panel, you know, we would review incidents that Scott Goodyear, who's the race director, wanted us to review and then talk to drivers. And um, the guys would write the the long, tedious FIA documents much more often than I would. But, um, I, you know, I just I tended to have the role of being conversing with the drivers and their sponsors, uh, parents most of the time um and you know team owners about what went right and what went wrong and handing down decisions and explaining why we see it the way that we see
0: it and you know you need both though you need need those guys that read the books back and forth but you need the driver's you know perspective too that you brought to it you know
7: and every every series has that you know i mean every series has that you look at imsa and You look at the group that has been assembled there. I've known Bo Barfield since Bo was like six years old. When I first started racing in the SCCA in the Southwest Division, you know, I grew up in Houston. And um, I raced a little bit with Bo's dad, Joe. And so I I literally knew Bo from the time he was a little kid. Now he's like six inches taller than I am because I never (laughs) continued to grow, and he did. But... That's okay. I'm, I'm five eight on a good day. If I sleep in boots hanging upside down, you know, <laughs> from one of those like back racks or whatever. But my 17 year old is six one and taller than I am, so I'll I guess I'll be short forever. But um, but you look at Bo and the guys that are around him in race control and Paul Walter, who deals so much with the rules and regulations. And if you have a question, you call Paul. And, you know, you ask the question and you think it's a really good one. And then you can hear in his voice that you're obviously not very smart at all, but he's going to explain it to you anyway. It's kind of like when you were 10 and you ask your parents something and they would go. Oh, all right. Here's why. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and, and Paul and I, I love him. He's actually a great guy. Um, but Paul's that guy that is the encyclopedia, you know, and Bo is the guy that is just down to earth and normal and you can have a conversation with, and he's, you know, out there on his, what do they call that board with one wheel that he rides around these days? I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, and so he's assembled a great team. And then you look at the driver um, representatives that work with him, Johnny Unser and Didier Tays. And um, I think uh, EFR was in that role for a while. I don't know if he's, doing it now but i mean between everybody that's in race control it takes a team like that it's just like it takes a team to put a car on the racetrack
0: it takes
7: yeah. a team with different streaks well well brian you know, we're, to, to we're get things
0: done we're up against it at a time but tell everybody where they can hear you these days i know that you're on social a little bit and twitter and stuff but uh tell us where we can hear you and all that
7: well i'm not massively active on that i am on twitter and i'm on facebook which shows you that i'm old Um, But I'm worried about being canceled, so I don't really post a lot. You know, we're in this culture, and I know that I'm bound to say something that will get me in trouble. But, yeah. (laughs) So, but uh, um, obviously, you can can hear me next weekend on the Rolex 24 broadcast on the NBC um, ladder of networks that they've got going next weekend. So, it'll be NBC and NBCSN and the app and all of that. And we've got a great team that's that's bringing that race to everybody. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, there's always, always something that throws a wrench into the Rolex 24, as far as the race goes, whether it's weather or, anything like that and that's what makes it so exciting so
0: and that's what makes it hard to go to sleep you're going i know if i fall asleep now then i'm going to miss something and i don't want to well brian till thanks buddy we appreciate you coming on and uh i enjoyed it we appreciate your insights and we'll get you back on and i'd love it and i love hearing you so we really appreciate it yeah you guys have
7: a great night i'm gonna enjoy my spaghetti
0: (laughs) thanks brian we appreciate it there you go all right we're gonna go appreciate it we're gonna go straight to break and we'll be back after these messages Thank you
4: Talk
5: 1370. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest
3: hour in radio,
0: Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are going to shift gears and talk about some Austin Motorsports. And we have the man as far as if you wanna be a, a
5: marshal. So Les, why don't you introduce your longtime friend? Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, for one, my my, my foodie buddy, <laughs> nicknamed King Benito, if uh, Benito Chips products, uh this is the guy, but Dave is the guy you gotta know for getting involved in some of the officiating work around Coda during races and uh i got asked it again a little while back how do i get to be one of those corner marshals and i was like i know the guy and I'm, i've told the story so many times welcome dave how do we glad. do this <laughs> glad to be here well it's it's
9: not all that difficult it, it looks difficult because there's not a, a a door to open on the internet where it just says here's everything <laughs> um and hopefully we can kind of clear a little bit of that up um Most of the marshals that you see work in the races, especially the pro races, are SCCA marshals. And whether they're working NASA or they're working Vintage, IMSA, um, Formula One, if it's in the U.S., it's most likely an SCCA marshal that's uh, performing those duties. Um, Here in Austin, we're really fortunate at CODA because you don't have to be even an SCCA member to join the ranks of the marshals on the track. Um, you can, you, we got, if you reach out to us, we'll be able to put you in touch with the right Mm -hmm. people at CODA. And they're always looking for new folks. Even if you have absolutely no motorsports experience whatsoever, if you bring a passion, um, they're going to welcome you with open arms for sure.
0: That's awesome. But you know, every every one of those guys that I've ever talked to take it really seriously. You know, it's not like it's just out there to have a, a free afternoon. They're, they're serious about what they're doing.
9: Well, there's a lot of responsibility. Uh, the marshals, um, the corner marshals and the whole C flagging communications team's job, one, is safety. It is communicating with the drivers and communicating back with race control, making sure that uh, when EVs are needed, they can get dispatched, et cetera. But it's, it's keeping the drivers aware of what's going on ahead of them on the track so that we don't uh, make a bad situation worse. Uh, and again, um, you know, a lot of the events that we had at Coda, for example, when NASCAR came out and tested, or when IndyCar came out and tested, when they're actually racing, it's SECA marshals that are working those. But during the tests, it's Coda employees that are working. Them. So, you know, it's you. If you live in the Austin area and you want to be a marshal, you do yourself a big favor by being both an SECA marshal and a Coda marshal. And the Cosa Stands, by the way, are probably the best in the country since they're among the newest and they are at the yeah. only Formula One track in the in the country.
0: Awesome. Well, and I know that, um, I mean, I, I've seen these guys out here for years, but um, tell everybody, you know, what are the nuts and bolts? What exactly are they doing out there?
9: Well, um, it, it varies from from event to event and sanctioning body to sanctioning body, but On a typical corner stand during Formula One, you may have 11 to 13 people actually working associated with a given corner. Um, So at turn 19, for example, you'll have a a chief communicator, you'll have a station captain, you'll have a yellow flag operator, a blue flag operator, um, you'll have an electronics board operator for the FIA, You'll have, uh, you may have medical, you may have an intervention marshal that would actually get dispatched to go onto the track to assist with the safety teams. Or, uh, you know, on a, on a CODA um, track day where people drive their own cars on the track, there may be only one or two people on the station. And their main function is to signal the drivers of the cars of what the track condition is ahead. That's the number one thing that they do. And they communicate that back with race control.
4: Dave, how hard has it been? I mean, we as the commentators for the for the you know for the big screens and the big events, obviously, we've been out there when Formula One was supposed to be there. But tumbleweed doesn't really do much for me <laughs> in terms of commentating. But how tough has it been for you guys? Uh, because you're in the same boat. Um, you know, no major events at all last year.
9: Um, it, we missed it. There's no no question about it. Um, you know, fortunately. Um, this past year during f1 weekend SCCA pro took the date and we had uh fr americas f4 srf3 and we had a full weekend it was a lot of fun um you know i wish i wish we could have had fans out there it's always a lot more fun to to have spectators but um you know and with the announcement of motogp uh now there's an open date on the calendar again the the upside is that it, very likely there's going to be a, a, a US event that'll fill that weekend. And it's really just the big international events that are the big challenge because of the travel restrictions.
0: Yeah, and that's actually a good good little segue there because it looks like uh I mean has it is it now official that MotoGP is not coming early in in their April slot that that it's going to be later in the year is that is that official yet?
9: Yeah, it's been postponed at best. Yeah, dang.
4: And they're looking towards what? The end of the year again for both uh Uh, kota and argentina yeah
9: that's my understanding
5: of it yeah yeah well dave i got to the rumor that dave foreman on his e-bike that's usually in the paddock is going to go out and take hot laps
9: (laughs) (laughs) i moved to a stand-up scooter (laughs) i don't know if i'll get up turn one
0: (laughs) (laughs) scooters are fine as long as they're not on the public roads in downtown i hate that hey dave i got a serious i got a funny but also serious question for you I'm sure you remember the year I well I don't remember what event. I think it was the Star Mall when the school bus ended up on that was F4. literally Oh, there was F4, okay. Literally on Circuit of the Americas, a school bus, a yellow school bus. And it was uh, hilarious after the fact and crazy at the moment, but you know, terribly unsafe because I think there were actually still cars on track at the time,
9: weren't there? Yeah, I think there was and uh it was a miscommunication and that was actually um It wasn't the bus drivers fault. She was dispatched to go out and pick up the corner workers. That's, that's how these guys at the big events. That's how everybody gets to their stations. And somebody dispatched her too early. So,
5: yeah,
4: the kids loved it. And they came back the next day. And then they went to the zoo. (laughs) uh, And then they came back a week later to see if there was anything else going on at Coda.
1: That's right. That's right.
9: Well, Hey, you know, it, it, it's not the most uncommon sight. We've had the Wienermobile out on the track a few
5: times as well. <laughs> I remember the motor GP race. I was right there by Kevin Schwantz when the dog ran out. Yeah. Yeah. We have had, we've had dogs,
9: uh, that we've had to, uh, flag for, um, raccoons, um, turtles, birds, deer, um, <laughs> Interestingly, we've had rattlesnakes on pit lane here in a few, in a few events, but those have been remediated. What thanks. about
4: wild hogs? Because I know I one thirty suffers from that now and again.
9: Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I I never heard any reports of that at Coda. I know it's. I know they have it further south down in Caldwell County. Yeah. But, um,
5: um fortunately uh we haven't come face to face with a 800 pound (laughs) bohemian. well hey folks i we've got a link set up it's going to be out on the social media pages here shortly if you want to join in it's always a lot of fun or known day for a long time and it gets so i recognize and know a lot of the corner marshals great fun it is a serious job but uh and gosh some of the best views in the track can't get closer to the action
0: yeah well, Dave, Dave Foreman, we appreciate you coming on and exciting to kind of get back, you know, get to how, see, understand how that works and all that. Because I, I haven't really thought about how all those people get organized. So we appreciate that that work that you do.
9: Absolutely. We'll be out at uh, Coda for the uh, Lone Star Grand Prix, the uh, Super
5: Tour with SCCA in two weeks. Awesome. Cool. We'll see you there for the big Porsche event at the end of February. Yep, that too. All, all
0: right, right, Dave, thanks a lot. We appreciate you coming on.
5: Back thanks, back. guys. All, all right, care. see you.
0: I love it. I love it. I love getting the local aspect of motorsports yeah. from Start of really the Americas cool. here on the show, too. All right. Well, stick with us. We're going to go through a break. When we come back, we've got some little more local stuff because we're going to talk to the boys from the Super Lap Battle. Very awesome event coming to Dakota here soon. You listen to Speed City, and we'll be back after a quick break. <laughs>
3: Battle USA is back at Circuit of the Americas March 6th and 7th. It's the ultimate time attack challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully tuned, trap built cars featuring the Grid Life Touring Cup, Lone Star Trap Ride Alongs, Food Trucks, a Just Vibes Car Show, and more. Plus, the Life Motorsports Nissan GTR is back to defend its time of 207 181. It's a whole weekend of family fun. Tickets are $10 online, $20 at the box office. Find out more at SuperLapBattleUSA.com.
2: Talk 13.7, the right choice.
8: My name is Christina Nelson, and this is Speed City.
3: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed
0: City. All right, welcome back to the show. We're going to have the boys from the Super Lap Battle on here in just a minute. While we wait on them, we got a couple of stories that... Uh, well, not a whole lot going on besides the Rolex and the Toyota Racing Series, but there was a couple of things that uh, were announced that I want to talk about. Maya Wang has made history after being announced as the first-ever female member of the Ferrari Driving Academy. I thought that was a really cool story. And then Simone Di Silvestre, another women in motorsports story, returns to the Indy 500 with a women-managed team. And then Iron Lynx, all-female Ferrari crew, steps into to WEC. How about that, guys? A bunch of women in motorsports making it making an impact here.
4: Yeah, Christina Nielsen, who just brought us back. She was way- racing today uh, and will be racing next week. Um, and, yeah, w- woman power, female power is coming strong this year. And I think it is going to be... Um, the year of diversity in all the championships and I'm delighted for it. Uh, you know, Lewis is doing his thing at the very top of the sport um, for, you know, um, his causes. And I think that, um, you know, what Indy's doing with Simona and uh, we're also doing something in F3 and F4, Willie T. Ribs involved in a diversity program with us. Um, I'm, I'm excited, I'm excited about the year ahead on that particular issue.
5: Yeah, well, that's a great that's combination. Cool. Uh, Because you've got Catherine Legg, Christine, and Errol Bamber. Talk about a powerhouse combination right there. That's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, awesome. Hey, uh, also, Ferrari's going to run the 2018 F1 car. at uh, How do you pronounce it? Fiorana? Uh, I always mess that up. Fiorana. Fiorana, yeah. In in Italy, you know, one of those uh, Ferrari tracks. And there's, what, seven drivers going to get track time, including Leclerc. And Carlos signs, but also Mick Schumacher is going to get some time on Thursday and Friday, and Kylam Ilot and uh, Armstrong and Elise. So that's it, going to that, that's pretty cool. I mean, it it um, I mean, Jonathan, does it surprise you at all that that Mick's going to get some time?
4: No, it doesn't surprise me, and I think it's good, really good. Um, but I do want to mention, you know, you mentioned the Toyota Racing Series, and both Marcus Armstrong, who is a Kiwi, uh, and Callum Eilert, who's, who's a Brit, um, are both graduates of the Toyota Racing Series. And when they finally turn a wheel this week, they'll be the 19th and 20th drivers from graduates of the TRS that have that have driven Formula One cars. And, of course, Lando and, and Lance Stroll and Daniel Kvyat do it on a regular basis. So. kind of cool
0: yeah very cool i'm looking forward to seeing mick and seeing how he does and uh i mean yep i'm looking forward to seeing mazapin too but
4: but well same track same car i mean it's an older car it doesn't matter but instead of being compared to their championships we're going to see them depending on the conditions but if they're pretty stable we'll get to see a a decent comparison between mick and the up-and-coming Academy drivers, as well as Charles Leclerc.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And, I mean, look, that's also going to be one of the fun things to watch the Ferrari team with Carlos Sainz. I mean, don't you agree? That's going to be one of the... Uh, I mean, he, He's a proven driver, but, you know, in the pressure cooker that is Ferrari, and having him pitted up against Leclerc, that's going to be a great story, too.
4: I, I, I actually got a feeling that Carlos Sainz is going to hold his own. Um, I mean, there's no question oh, yeah. that McLaren is, is very, very good, but um, I actually think Carlos Sainz is very, very good, and I don't think we've seen the best of him yet because that McLaren was coming good, um, but I think he's coming good too.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, What else, Jonathan? I know, I mean, any other stories? Let me ask you this. We always want to know, you have the inside scoop at the Toyota Racing Series because you've seen... Like you said, Lando Norris and lots of lots of amazing drivers come through there. Who are we watching this year?
4: Well, um, there are a couple, uh, and in fact, uh, the pole position- So yesterday's Grand Prix was all Kiwi, as I mentioned, because it was an international. There was no there was no international drivers at all, which is usually the norm. But what made that also very good was it meant that a lot of the great Kiwis, like Chris Vanderdrift and Shane Van Gisbergen. And- uh, V8 champion uh, Andre Heimgartner uh, and several others Greg Murphy um, who was a four-time Bathurst winner um, coming back taking on the youngsters and it was actually a youngster uh, youngster called Caleb Natoa who took pole position uh, for the Grand Prix beating Shane and everybody else which is pretty impressive uh, but the guy who kind of stood out and he had three podiums of the weekend was a was an 18 year old called Matthew Payne. And interestingly enough, guess who his his engineer was? Liam Lawson, (laughs) who, of course, won the championship a couple of years ago and has just moved up to F2 uh, and DTM this year. And he was back in New Zealand, and he'd raced against him uh, uh, when they were both kids, effectively, in karting and Formula First. So he was engineering Matthew, and Matthew was superb. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of him. He's been in Europe doing FIA karts for the last couple of years. He didn't change the world. But he certainly uh, made a name for himself this weekend. And the other one to watch is Billy Fraser. He'll be coming here. Billy Fraser is another young Kiwi. Um, and he will be doing F4 here in the States. Um, sorry, he's going to be doing AF2000, um, Formula 2000, uh, on the other on the Road to Indy uh, next season. And Ronan Murphy is the other young and up-and-coming driver. Uh, he's the son of Greg, Greg Murphy, and he did F4 last year.
0: Hey, what about that young guy I've heard of? He's young at heart, the Ken Smith, isn't he? One of those young and up and coming ah, drivers. yes,
4: <laughs> an up and coming hopeful. Seventy-nine year old Kenny Smith. <laughs> what did the whole twenty-eight laps yesterday, despite having a in an F three car?
0: I mean, in a in a Formula car, right?
4: In a for- in a brand new Formula car, yeah. At 79, 28 uh, my, laps, g force w- you name it.
0: I was watching. I, we, my son, and I were out in the workshop working on his Porsche, and we were listening. And he goes, seventy nine year old? Did I hear that right? I go, yeah. He goes, well, what kind of what GT car? I said, no, we're talking a Formula car with all the yeah. G forces of a Formula car. I would and, pass and, out at seventy nine. That's crazy.
4: And here's the thing: when he first started, he, so this was his fiftieth New Zealand Grand Prix. Think about that.
0: Oh my god. FIA
4: gosh. Grand Prix. He even had a, a plaque given to him by John Todd for his services to motorsport over the weekend. But he started racing against Sterling Moss and Jim Clark in the Tasman series back in the 50s. And he's still going. <laughs> oh, my
0: gosh. That is crazy. I mean, that, that it's hard to believe that he could be even remotely competitive at that age. That's just crazy. But Well, hey, guys, we have a guest that has joined us, and I'm really excited to bring him in because – this is a re- this is a really cool event. <laughs> he was here now, he's gone. He's it's a back. really cool event that's coming back to Circuit of the Americas. Apparently there's a streetcar that runs a 207. If you know what a 207 is at Coda, I mean that's like
5: what F4 level racing? Oh, that's, that's so, wicked fast. This is great. Yeah, Given, uh, welcome back. We're coming back to Austin. This is one of the my favorite events because Anything goes, and whatever's there goes fast. Cuban, get us caught up on uh, this year and what's new and in the pack coming. Hey, what's up, guys?
8: Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah. You pretty much nailed it there. Uh, 207 and a street car. Now, I will put asterisks there. That car <laughs> is our unlimited class. It has the most allotment of modifications. But the funny thing about his 207 is he ran it on a Hurt motor, and he's wow. coming back this year with full power. But to bring you guys up to speed, we've had an amazing year through COVID. 2020 after CODA was really up in the air with US time attack and the organizations running and all the competitors that also run global time attack that come to super lab battle, they've taken this time to just blow their cars up. Uh, we had our final event of the year, I believe seven records fell. We saw cars that have not come out and competed in a long time go fast. So we're really excited about what 2021 CODA brings. I'm sure you guys know. Uh, Texas is allowing the first cars and coffee of the year at our COTA event. So that's already going to blow up. I'm awesome. sure you, you guys are locals. I'm sure everyone's itching to go out and just have a good time.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. But, uh, well, not you tell everybody a little bit more about super lap battle, obviously we have that unlimited class. It's probably a 2000 horsepower GTR doing that, but, but what about, <laughs> what <wasn't> about GTR? <laughs> yeah. What about, uh, the, the lower classes and how that works?
8: Absolutely. So super lap bottles bringing time attack here to the U S in a bigger fashion. Uh, Time Attack has been a a fringe sport, been going on in the States ever since uh, the bigger teams came overseas and ran Buttonwillow Raceway Park in the early 2000s. Um, Jason Deanhart and his team have worked very hard to bring Time Attack to a more serious sport where people look at it and go, wow, this isn't just ragtag, put your car together. So even in our lowest classes, these cars fly. So let's go from the bottom. So we have Enthusiast, Street, Limited, and Unlimited. Those are the main competition classes. So that, you know, 1,000 horsepower GTR, obviously an Unlimited class car. Enthusiast would be your everyday track guy. So the guys that want to get into Time Attack and have a car that is best suited to be entry level, that's our Enthusiast class. Uh, Street class is a a misnomer. (laughs) When the rules were written 10 years ago, It was street tire class. These are not by any means your street car per se, but they are cars that are based off of production vehicles and they have a lot of rules to make them feel street-like. Full interior in front of the B-pillar, dash. Everything has to be there. Uh, Radio if equipped, uh, HVAC if equipped, catalytic converter has been removed. That's the only thing that is not required for a street class car. They have minimal aero, obviously, five-inch splitter, wing can only go back five inches, can't go above the roof line. Limited class is a step up. Limited class is gonna be sequentials are allowed. You can remove 90% of the interior, but you still need a dash and a few other components. (laughs) Uh, These are much higher horsepower cars. There's a big arrow box. I mean, you're allowed to have a splitter that goes, out ten inches and fourteen inches wide of the car. If you wanted to build wow. the the arrow rules, what a lot of older guys or old school racers would call you know spaceships. That's not a car.
0: That's, That's a ta- a you can go tailgating on that too after your. <laughs> yeah,
8: you know what? And they do <laughs> after after the event. You, you cut up some cut up some meat over there in Austin. Get some barbecue over. There you go. Um, And then the sequential has to be shifted with a paddle. I mean with with a rod. And then unlimited class is basically what it's called. Unlimited uh, paddle shift sequential full arrow, fully gutted, professional drivers, nitrous is allowed, you know, it's everything above and beyond when it comes to that. So we're really excited to bring it back along with the drift and the car show that'll be there, but we try to focus our hardest on bringing time attack into a serious viewpoint from the outside looking in. And we're really blessed that SCCA saw that and SCCA brought us in as a pro-sanctioned event. We're the only sanctioned time attack event in the United States with a pro backing that's also being backed by an organization such as SCCA.
0: That's good. That means you guys are obviously running it properly and making it safe and having all the the accoutrement to make it safe. I think I've used that word twice in two weeks now, but all the the, the, the equipment and all the, the safety gear and everything and all the right people to keep it safe, right? 100%
8: 100% SCCA used to have to send their individuals to all of our races to confirm we were fulfilling their standards. Obviously, it's a risk for them if you look at it. Not from our standpoint. You know, Jason and his team have been laying it down to the most professional nature from the beginning. But after a couple of events, we realized that it went from a bunch of people to two people to one person to finally like, yeah, you guys got it. So uh, let us know if you need anything. But you know, we don't have to babysit you anymore. And We've been like that for some while. So SCCA has been very good. And it also brings it from both parties. There are some very fast cars that run SCCA, a a Viper from SCCA ran last year in our unlimited class and podium. You know, this is a time trial guy that had never thought about time attack. And to give you like a quick difference, time attack is building something to run one fast lap. Time trial cars can run entire sessions. Yes, they're fast by every means. But a time trial car has never looked like a spaceship. The alignment's not as aggressive to the point where it will blow wheels up. Uh, they don't push the limit of their engines to 12. You know, they they are a reliability kind of car that goes fast. Time attack, guys, doesn't matter if you set your lap on the first lap or last minute of the last session, that's your fastest lap. So these guys really wring everything out of these cars.
0: Well, this is really exciting. Now we're out of time, but uh, do you can people still sign up? Is the field set already? And we can just now, everybody, just come out and have some fun and watch.
8: So we always recommend to people who are who feel they have the experience to go to Super Lab Battle USA, do a pre-registration form. Uh, I know that the entries are coming in like like hotcakes right now, so this would be the best time to do it. Tickets are still available on the website. Uh, if anyone has any questions about rules or where their car would fit, obviously, we highly recommend reading the rules first, but shoot us an email at rules dot uh, com. And just go over all that, but they can definitely come in, get with us, and then if they f- if they fit the requirements of running with us, there's a good chance that they can get in, along with everything else awesome. going on the event. It will be live streamed the entire thing from beginning to end. Uh, our support race, Grid Life Touring Cup, all of that will be well, this is, on the this internet. Is, this is so perfect. Like it has been the past few. This
0: years. is exactly what we wanted when Cody first came to Austin. Thank you so much. We are out of time. We appreciate it. Thanks to Brian Till, everybody calling in and. and uh, And listening and watching, we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next Sunday night.